Well, what a week. And hopefully what a show we've got ahead of us today. The world has an insatiable, insatiable demand for commodities at the moment. Rates volatility is incredible. You're seeing the market question future growth as inflation rears its head once again. The word stagflation is doing the rounds. Markets are nervous on the back of that. Blake and I go through all these factors and more as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined uh, in a second by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And as always, we're going to be unpacking, navigating, and sort of navigating really around the financial markets, which at this point in the time are about as crazy as we've seen for many, many years. Now, last week was fantastic because so many of you got in on the conversation. So many of you gave your thoughts. We had great engagement and some really, really clever ways of thinking about the markets as well. And we want that again. So if you've got anything you hear today in this crazy world of markets, anything about commodities, currencies, anything that's going on, central bank policy, you name it, geopolitics, we want to hear from you and, and, and you know, go with some of your thoughts as well. So we want to build this community that seems to be evolving. So get in the conversation. Give us a like if you like as well. That would really help the channel going forward. And as it says without saying, um, you know, do your own research. And anything that Blake and I say today should be considered general in nature as well. Now, before Blake and I look at the movement, the trends and the setups, it's important to acknowledge that the commentary that we're going to be providing today is derived from an incredibly serious humanitarian crisis. Volatility is a function of our ability to make real-world connections and to be able to price risk. And right now, that visibility is incredibly limited. But from the team at Pepperstone, from Blake and myself, our thoughts are with each and every single person who's been affected by this crisis. So let's crack on with the program. Blake, I want to go straight to Topical Funder today because we've got some, so much to discuss today. So let's go straight to Topical Funder. Right, well, where do we start, Blake? I mean, where, where do we start? Commodity prices, wheat, palladium, crude, corn, they're just going up and up and up and up and up. Interest rates, you know, if you go and have a look at Fed funds, Euro dollar futures, or you know, bond markets, treasuries, or German bunds, they, they're all like, we're seeing some five, six Ed score moves. They're just absolutely ripping each way. The volatility there is, is incredible. You've got equity markets all over the place. European equity markets are getting flogged at the moment. They've had a reprieve overnight, but they've been getting flogged. Obviously, greater exposure to what we're seeing in, in, in Russia uh, and the potential for, for defaults. And, and we're looking at their exposures there as well. You name it, we've got volatility all over the shop. Commodity currencies, everyone wants a piece of them at the moment. Yeah, what, what? How do we trade these markets? What, what are you seeing there, Blake? Uh, well, first of all, I I don't know, did, did we even meet last week? It feels like three weeks since the last time we talked, but I know it's only been a week, but you I feel like- You look older, man, you look older, you look- I feel older, I, I actually- feel older, mate. <laughs> well, thanks, it's definitely the hairs growing out, it's all, uh, anyway. Um, but I wanted to say that in these markets, in these uncertain times, it's more important now than ever, ever. to watch your positioning, keep your stops tight, uh, keep your re reduce your position sizes. I've actually had to let trades, you know, go wider with smaller positions just to manage my risk because we are seeing this increased volatility. And I'm I'm actually a little concerned, Chris, that. You know, you 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 kind of you're nailing it like this insatiable appetite for commodities. Mm. Uh, rates are moving higher. Stocks flow driven. I don't know, but they're ripping too. You got crude oil nearing probably 120 by the time people watch this. 
you know, is there going to be a, 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 a pinnacle where it all just kind of falls apart? I, I don't know, but I, I'm a little concerned. Oh. It, you know, I don't, I don't, I hate to throw, I hate to, you know, be you know, a, when, I don't, a downer. I'm going to ask you a personal question. When, it, when it's your yeah. wife's birthday, buy her some palladium, stick it under the pillow, give it, buy her some palladium, buy her some wheat, buy her some corn, and she'll be a happy camper in six months' time. I just think that's the great. But if you're going to is, bed, is it, that the is that the trade of the decade right now? Is just being long no, commodities? Know, it's, it's it's just so it's done. But that's the way the market's doing. It's a big momentum trade, isn't it, at the moment? But if you can get some sleep in this market at the moment, you know you're doing pretty well. You know if you're going to bed and you know you're probably running a flat position at the moment. Yeah, you know, how you can hold exposures overnight without actually being in front of the screens, unless obviously you're running an automated uh, algorithmic strategy, is just hard. You know, you, you just can't leave the monitor in, in case something drops five percent or rallies five percent. It's 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 a tough one. So you've got to be in front of the screens. You've got to get you've got to nail that position sizing. It is the absolute paramount in situation in these volatile times. And we're not just talking volatility in, in the VIX being above 30% consistently, but across asset class, gold volatility above 20%, oil volatility is insane. FX volatility spiked up 11% on Euro dollar. Yeah, it's, it's, you've got to, that position sizing, nail it right now. It, it is, it's, it's huge and it's so important. I, I'm, I'm trading at a quarter size what I normally trade right now. I yeah. mean, if, if that gives you any And you're still idea moving markets, Blake, and you're still moving markets. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'll tell you what isn't moving. Let's take it over to the dollar, Chris. I, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the dollar because we've been talking about peak hawkishness in the Fed. Now, you know, Fed Chairman Powell, came out today and he still says he's, he wants to, he wants to hike rates, yeah. but you know, expectations that you know goldman and city and whoever else have been throwing out in in, in the last several weeks that's kind of gone out the window i mean yeah. expectations are coming down well, goldman's quite got dramatically. The, the high right the day they came and said we're gonna get nine consecutive hikes was literally the high you of nailed the market, it wasn't it was I, and, and you nailed it you came in and said hey that was it but but i, I mean what what's that going to do for the dollar now i mean you you have other central banks that are just trying to they're trying to play catch up. They they also they they're in precarious situations where they have to try to try to be able to get rates at a level where they can deal with existential shocks like that they're dealing with right now. Mm. But I think the dollar. I mean, I look at the dollar and I'm like, all right, we're dealing with. Yeah, I know. I don't want to be a fear monger right now, but you know, people are like, oh, you know, here's Russia and Ukraine. Where are they going to stop? China's going to jump in on the bandwagon. They're going after Taiwan. Blah 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 blah. All this fear. But the dollar has been not responsive. I mean, yes, we hit a brief new high, but is that it for the dollar? Is that all you got? I mean, wow. that's that's what I'm asking. What I mean, do you think? There's a difference between trading and talking about what the dollar's going to do really long term. I mean, people are saying, you know, what we're seeing in Russia now and, and the move away from being the central banks being able to use their reserves. Is this you know, other central banks are going to look at you know, moving the, moving away from the dollar? Well, I think this is a, an idiosyncratic situation because I don't think every country is looking to to, to move and, and, and invade their neighbour effectively in that situation. So I think it's a difficult one to do. But yeah, people have obviously looked at the dollar's reserve status over time because of what we've been seeing. Shorter term, though, the Fed will raise rates in March, in my opinion. You know, yeah. that's, that's not that's locked on. I don't think we're going to see it deviate too much. Obviously, payrolls on Friday. We'll see what happens. The big Mac Daddy one on the uh, on the tenth for you, eleventh for us in Australia is the CPI number. If we get st solid numbers there, which I think we will, then then a twenty five basis point hike is a lock on. We're then looking at their projections going forward. And I like the dollar against select currencies. Right now, 
you know, I think we, I think we're probably in agreement. I, I, I guess we're in agreement, and correct me if I'm wrong. But we like commodity currencies. You know, Aussie, yeah. Kiwi, CAD uh, against the US dollar. I still think work. They're great expressions, although I prefer to to buy them against the euro uh, on you know any kind of weakness in uh, any kind of rallies in euro. Uh, they're better plays. The Noki has some attractions, or it's just super volatile. volatile. Um, but I, I'm not giving up on the dollar against the yen and maybe the Swissy. But uh, you know, against the commodity currencies, I'm, 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 I've been long the commodity currencies against the dollar, and I, I continue to think that works well. No, I do too, Chris. And 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 uh, you you mentioned the yen. What about the move in rates today? I mean, oh, crazy, geez, you know, the, crazy, crazy. It's it's nuts. I mean, the ten year was up ten eight percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's, we're going to continue is. that. And I think people are, you know, it is. Everyone's focused on geopolitics. That that's the. It's re- I want to say it's the only game in town. It's it's not. Um, but we heard from Jerome Powell, as you rightly pointed out there, in the, in the central bank's situation. Um, so we are looking at what's happening there. I mean, we heard from the Bank of Canada as well. Um, we heard from the Bank of Canada, and we, we we heard we saw them raising rates. They gave a fairly optimistic view or a hawkish view on inflation and growth. The Canadian dollar has been one of the better performers. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about that one a little bit later on. But we've seen some attractions in the CAD, not just because what's happening in crude, of course, in terms of trade, but they've become a little bit more hawkish at the market relative to other central banks. Uh, Jerome Powell has said that yeah, he wants to raise rates in March. He's given themselves some wiggle room. He's given themselves some flexibility if the geopolitical situation really tightens financial conditions. If we see Europe really struggling because of this debt that is going to be paid out from coupons from Russian entities, Gazprom, for example, being one, Rosneft, you know, these guys have got to make some massive coupon payments to, to, and most of that's going to go to European banks. So we've been talking this week about solvency issues. We've been talking about, um, you know, dollar funding rates and various factors again for the first time in a long time. Um, but yeah, the, the Fed have given themselves a bit of leeway, a bit of flexibility that if inflation expectations roll over, the ECB have been pushing back this week, but yet the interesting dynamic that we've got there, Blake, of course, is if you have a look at expectations of inflation in Europe, they've been going up and up and up, but they've been pushing yeah. back. And that's a that's a really bad, toxic mix, right? Higher inflation expectations driven by commodity prices. They've lowered interest rate expectations because of what's happening there. We're talking stagflation, which is why Europe right now is that ugly dog that just everyone wants to whack. So it's just a, it's a, it's a tough one. Well, we've seen it on a lot of crosses in in Europe, and, and and especially in the euro. And and I'm you know I'm standing in the way of one or actually two right now, and I'm watching the the way the euro is reacting, and it is an ugly ugly move it's right an now. Ugly one. But 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 nothing moves in a straight line, and and we're going to be pointing out some charts that I think. Uh, and, you know, it goes into another conversation, but we're going to be pointing out some charts that I think you need to be looking at. Yeah. But the one thing I do want to point out based on this volatility, I know we're still on central banks and everything else, Chris, is that, you know, you know the technical analysis aspect of the market kind of goes out the window when volatility picks up like this. And that's that's one thing I do need to I need to point out because I need, I know a lot of people, they look at charts and they go, this is the end all be all. But in this type of high volatility environment, I think you have to be really, really careful with just techs. But you right. can use there's there's so many things that you can use within that you know average true range can give you that sense of how far how much risk you need to be taking on a position depending on obviously your time frame daily four hour hourly you know going into scalping territory but you know you can use yeah. these volatility measures as part of your process to understand how much range and how much risk you want to take on and then adjust your position sizing and and you have to volatility you know, 
all this stuff is a function of movement in the market. So I don't think technical analysis is dead, but generally speaking, when you're looking at you know patterns and stuff, it's the aggregation of behavior. But I, I get your point. I think you know when you get these support levels and you just get a piece of breaking news, it means nothing right now, does it? No, nothing at all. It could be just a speed bump. So, you know, I, I want to actually, since we were just talking about central banks, I do. I, I guess I want to say that uh, that you've been spot on about about identifying that, you know, all these central banks, it was way too hawkish. Now we've got something to really think about. I think about. you did as well, Blake. So let's, I, let's, let's have a love in today. I, mean, I think, I think you, you also <laughs> know that one as well. I think a lot of people have, to be honest. Everyone said nine hikes. You know, that's just crazy, crazy. Not giving that, you know, that, that is a, a perfect scenario, a perfect world for them to be doing it. And so, yeah, I, I think that's so. Okay. So you've been talking, we you've been talking about like this, this, uh, this, this, you know, really big move in, in commodities. There's so many commodities that have been just marching higher. Yeah. And one of them, which has been defying gravity, uh, you know, based on, you know, what we've seen in risk, risk appetite has been copper and copper has popped up to what I call triangle resistance over the course of basically 2021 to 2020, almost 12 months of a triangle or consolidation. We're at the top of that right now. And what is what is the deal with copper? I mean, you, you, and, and this is the point where I have to say in our conversation, the way that we've looked at markets and the the typical correlations have been really thrown out the window over the last, you know, whatever you've learned the last 10, 20 years, you really got to kind of put it aside right now because strange things are happening. Uh-huh. We've got copper ripping. Yeah. I mean, what do you make of it, Chris? Yes, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's an easy explanation for palladium, for wheat, for, for corn. Uh, for crude, we can we can easily understand that. And what you've got now is a lot of momentum funds, uh, trend following funds, CTAs, who are just a- adding length. If they're not max long in their their capabilities, then then you know, who knows? But those markets you can easily explain. You know, Russia and 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 the Ukraine are, are massive exporters of that. Certainly, in Russia and a lot of these markets, um, you know, there there are going to be sanctions. You can talk about crude and say, well. You know that the Russians can't find a buyer for their their own blend of crude. They just can't find buyers out there, even though they're offering. So I can explain that. Copper is it getting caught up in this mix? I think so. I think you probably just got this unsatiable grab. We know that China have been stimulating. They've been cutting and easing policy. Maybe some of that's in there. Maybe the fact that you've got this 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 weaker U.S. dollar or this 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 failure really to really want to go out and buy dollars in this kind of risk off mind. Maybe that's probably helping it as well. Uh, but I, I certainly don't think it's a, it's a reflection of better economics at the moment. You know, we're talking stagflation in Europe. Uh, we're seeing some signs in Australia, but copper's obviously not going to look at Australia. We're looking at the US at the moment. The Atlanta Fed GDP forecast is at zero. So we're almost talking stagflation in, in the US, although I think it will pick it up. So I just think personally, my own view, and I know I'd love to hear what the, the audience think as well, but I think it's getting caught up in the commodity malaise, basically. What do you think? Okay, well, you know, maybe you're what you're trying to say is my doctor's a little drunk right now. I maybe. mean, <laughs> maybe that's it. But then you could say the same thing for the Aussie dollar. I mean, look at the Aussie. I mean, we're we're getting it's close to the two hundred day moving average. That one, yeah. I mean, yeah, we were just at seventy cents. What three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and here we are at seventy. I mean, we're we're marching higher. So I don't know. You got to keep an eye on these commodities and what happens if actually risk gets bid yeah. for whatever reason. Correct. Correct. Anyway, oh, look, I'm really oh. excited to, uh, to go and actually put some of these pictorially and have a look at some of the graphs and charts. So let's go uh, into that's a setup. Well, I can't get away from crude, mate, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just ripping. It's absolutely ripping. Fundamentally, look, we're hearing that, or well, the talk on the floor is that the, the, the Russians um, 
are trying to get their crude away. Um, they're offering re record discounts for their own blend. Uh, they're not finding many buyers. Of course, letters of credit are, are, are struggling. People can't get the financing there. Obviously, the sanctions have gone through. We've heard Joe Biden, uh, you know, talking about um, you know taking away the the, the, the tech for Russian uh, petroleum firms to effectively be able to pump the stuff out and the flows there. Um, so it's just really tough. And I think people are, are pricing in lower exports from Russia who, are, who equate to about 11% of, of global crude. Um, now I've got here WTI crude, which of course is, is your hood as opposed to Brent, which of course is the, the global benchmark, but they, they're doing the same sort of stuff at the moment. Yeah, we are seeing the rate of change accelerate to the upside. I'm concerned that, is it overbought? Absolutely it is. Look at the, the, the red line, you can see the price and how far that is away from the five-day exponential moving average. It's, it's the highest level it's, it's been in years. Now, is that due, due to mean revert, perhaps? Uh, we can see that relative to those Bollinger Bands, I've got a three standard deviation Bollinger Band and it's breaking to the upside. Yeah, these, these are unprecedented moves. Well, it's not unprecedented, but these are massive moves. Uh, relative to the 50-day moving average, the premium is, is about 29%. These are three standard deviations. So that, that elastic band is just ripped really, really far, Blake. And, you know, it's just going on and onwards. So, I mean, I'm buying pullbacks at the moment. It's a momentum dream. What do you think? Well, you know, we, we have to play it as a pullback or a momentum trade. As long as it's above 105 now, it's it's got it's in, it's in rally mode. I mean, we're approaching 2011 highs, Chris. And I, I know, and I, I say this often on this show, traders have a tendency to want to fade big moves they because they want they think we're going to revert back to the mean. If you decide to do that, keep your position small and keep your stops tight. If you get run over, you get run over. Yeah. And follow price. If when price goes, then go. But gee, yeah. wouldn't we really All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk really quick about the Russell 2000. I'm going to buck, buck the trend a little bit here, Chris. I, I mean, the Russell 2000, it has, it's setting up a double bottom. Now, I know, I know it sounds crazy, but let's just, let's be positive here for a second have an open before mind, we look Blake. at have the, an open mind in these markets. Uh, an open mind. Let's say, let's say, Putin, you know, uh, you know, th there's a ceasefire and 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 an actual ceasefire, and Putin, you know, kind of it de-escalates the situation. And what do yields do? Yields are going to rally, and if yields rally, the markets are going to take that as a cue as everything's better again. And could we get you know the Russell 2000 back up at you know 2300? I, I think it's possible. I, I and and the tax show that we've got a double bottom. So if we breach that neckline, we've talked a lot about that 2100 level uh, in in weeks past, back when we first yeah. started the show, Chris, we break back above that and you're going to get a, a short squeeze. I know it doesn't seem logical, but it may happen. I'm keeping yeah. an open mind. What do you think about this? Well, it goes back to what your your mate Buffett said, wasn't it? You know, be fearful when others are greedy and and, and like not. But uh, yeah, 20, 2108 is the, uh, the the level that we want to be looking at. So I, I think there's a possibility it squeezes up there. Whether we can you break through there, that's what we obviously look at as breakout traders. Is 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 how does it behave around that breakout point, and then what's it do after that point? And if it really goes, it goes. I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm not going to make a judgment call on whether we're going to see a ceasefire. I'm not qualified in those areas. But obviously, if it happens, if we see any kind of clear noises that that's going to go the, go that way, then, yeah, risk is going to absolutely explode to the upside. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. And, and, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, if, if price, I mean, we, we, we trade price. We tr price is, is, is following the news flow. And if, you know, I'll take my cues from what the market's telling me as opposed to my judgment and interpretation of the news. So, yeah, I think for 21, through 21.8 um, and it's, and it's on. 21.8, and I might not even look for a full target of that double bottom. I would just look for the 200-day moving average and call it a day. So yeah. anyway. Well, we'll see. Yeah, right. wait for that situation. One that we did look at last week as, as my player of the day. I don't want to give myself a pat on the back because yeah, I do make lots of bad calls as well as, as some good ones, um, is, is Palladium. Now, why do we like Palladium? We like Palladium because uh, Russia exports 46% of the world's Palladium, 80% of that going into car catalytic converters. Um, but it's caught up in the whole wheat situation. People have looked at expressions of this geopolitics. They've sold Euro Aussie, Euro CAD, Euro Kiwi. They've bought, you know, sold European equities. You've sold Euro equities, bought um, US equities or Australian equities. Um, but one of them is, has been Palladium. And what we wanted to do last week was, was wait for that breakout of that blue line. It happened. We wanted to wait for the, the, the Bollinger Bands to expand. We wanted to see it hug the upper Bollinger Band, which it has been doing. And it's been holding the five-day exponential moving average there as well. Now, it is overcooked, as we can see from some of the filters I use at, you know, how far it's gone above its five-day exponential. And it goes how far the premium percentage term is relative to its 50. But again, and this is a trending market now, so I'm buying pullbacks in this in, in this market at the moment. Obviously, we'll see what the news flow has to say, but this is trending now, and the trend followers are all over this one. So I think this is a fantastic chart. Have you got any thoughts on this one, Blake? I, well, all I would say is any dip down at 2450 is probably where you want to be a buyer. So any like just that breakout point that you pointed out, that blue line, you want to you want to be a dip buyer towards there. That's your best risk reward. Uh, situation from a technical perspective, especially if you can get behind the idea of what's happening in the markets. And, and we've talked a lot about commodities and about how strong they are. Mm. You just want to be a buyer on dips, not, you know, and, and you don't necessarily need to sell rips, but you won't probably want to take profits there and, and, and buy dips. And if you can find a good place to, to, to have the best risk reward, like I said, I think it's around the 2450 level. Then next thing you know, you're targeting those, those highs that were back in July of, uh, 2021. Yeah. I think uh, gold's, gold's an I didn't, I didn't put gold here, but you know, gold into 1950s found loads of supply. I mean, crypto, we could have had a whole show on crypto today, but Bitcoin looks like it wants to break out in another capacity, but you know, Palladium's been the one that's been that's been on my radar there. It sure does. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually turn your t attention over to the uh, the loony. And so, am I even uh, loony for thinking about this one, Chris? Oh, the dad I man had to throw out. that. <laughs> I had to throw it. Yes, the dad jokes are bad. You know, I've been actually following this wedge for a long time, and we had the Bank of Canada come out today. They raised rates. The Canadian uh, firmed up. You could argue that it's actually firmed up because of that. It firmed up because crude oil is above 110 on WTI. Whatever your argument is, the one thing I do want to point out, I mean, you look at the last, let's just point out the last, what is it, three, four weeks worth of consolidation, Chris? Yeah. I mean, we've had crude oil ripping above 90 in that time, above 100, above 110. It's breaking out. And the dollar Canadian can't even get to the 200-day moving average. Look, I don't know if crude oil is overbought. And if we're going to get a pullback, I'm assuming we are at some point. But if there is one ounce of de-escalation in the dollar CAD, I'm looking at that dip down to the 200-day moving average, that trend line, that wedge support. I'm going to look at that level as a level to be long. And that comes in around 125.50 to 126. And I know... 
you, I have to give it a little bit of room, but you know, when you're trading in this type of volatility imp- environment, you've got to give your ranges, you got to widen them just like your Bollinger yeah. Band. So what do you think about this one, Chris? I think it's one for the scalpers, mate, isn't it? I mean, you're going to be looking down at those yeah. levels, you're going to be looking at the trends, you're going to be looking at the 200 day, and you're going to be looking at, you know, look, picking up a cheeky scalp off, off, off those levels. I think that that will probably be one there. Uh, but it really depends on your strategy and, and your and your time frame in that. But I think, yeah, they're, they're, when, when you're looking at scalps and you're looking at support and resistance, that that you've got some very strong confluence of, of support levels to, to look at that one. So definitely. But yeah, we are breaking down to the, the bottom side of that consolidation range, as you say. Does this mean we're going to see a more explosive and more impulsive move lower? Perhaps we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I like the CAD right now but not so much yeah. against the dollar. There's other currencies to look at. Euro CAD's been the big big mover there. You know, Noki CAD, I think, to the downside. Swedish CAD to the downside, I think, is, 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 has been the better trade there as well. And with those plays and the plays of the days in mind, I'm really interested to hear what Blake's got on his, uh, on his dad joke mind at the moment. So we'll go to play of the day. <laughs> Well, I'm going for for Euro Aussie. I wanted to go Euro CAD um, through 141, um, but you know Euro Aussie's been been one that I've I've looked at very closely. I mean, look, you're looking at that right now, and you're seeing well, it, it hit that that top end, the February highs. We've had a six percent move lower. We've broken through those November lows as well. It's a ridiculously mature and strong trend. Uh, and it's you know these kind of times when when people will look for a reversal, and I do see some major risks, you know, based on just how far that elastic band that we are going to see mean reversion coming through. So yeah, I would be looking for this to move back into that blue line. Um, the question is, do I sell now or do I look for to, to to sell into strength? It's going lower as long as these geopolitical situations continue to be uncertain, and I think they will, in my unqualified mind. Uh, continue to be uncertain at the moment. But this is your quintessential play. Commodities are flying. No one likes Europe because it's pretty much now ground zero. Yeah, I, I think this goes lower. The question is, do I sell now or later? I think probably, you know, if I'm going to sell now, very small position because there are risks here. All right. Well, you know, let's stay in the theme of the euro yen. And, and, I, and I have to say, Chris, I love multi-decade trend lines. And we have tested this trend line multiple times. Uh, this trend line spawns back, and it's not shown on the chart, but you can go back to the highs back in 2008, the highs back in 2014. We broke out in 2021 last year, and as you can see, every bounce down towards that red descending trend line has found buyers. Now, what we have found over the last 24 hours is we found these lows around the 128 level to find buyers and I'm one of them. I've actually been, full disclosure, I've been establishing a position over the last 24 hours at these levels, but it's small. But I tell you what, we get above 129 and I'm looking for a recovery back to the 200 day moving average back up towards 130. And I'm, I'm trading this, I'm being nimble, I'm being fast. I don't mind buying euros as long as you know where your risk is. And I know where the risk is, it's below like 127.50. That's pretty much it, Chris. Well, good luck, mate. You're a brave, brave, uh, brave man. I, I, I think if you, if you know, Euro positioning is is so stretched, it's it's the ugly child of G10 at the moment, and for every reason that we know about, um, you're yeah. playing a positioning move there as well. And good luck to you, mate. I hope I hope that works out for you. I really do. Um, I'm yeah. I, I I I'm not sure I'm taking the other side, but I'd certainly be looking to sell any kind of repositioning in Euro myself at the moment. And that leads us to the end of the show. As we talk about, if you could give us a like, that would be absolutely fantastic. Leave a comment. We've talked about loads of crazy, crazy things that are going on in this incredibly volatile situation across asset class, commodities, indices, 
you know, rates what's going on there at the moment. It's all going off. Of course, there's a very serious message um, that's going on and what's driving this and our thoughts with everyone who's been affected by this. But we'll be back next week for more of the same in the trade-off.